You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bolchevich. And now, here's Jay. afternoon and it's another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest and this is the Bose Nose Show coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon and I'm your host Jay Bozovich, Westland County Commissioner and this show is a free-for-all day where you get to control the topic just by calling in to us at 646-721-7200. Nine eight eight seven, and uh, just press one. Let's Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation again. That's six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven. If you want to get in on the conversation here on the Bose Nose Show, and being a free for all day, you know, I thought I'd take advantage one first that I am one of the few hosts that's actually working this week because you know Rush Limbaugh's got a guest host, and even our local. Um, you know, wake up call show here on our local AM radio station. They're even doing repeats uh, today. So we are live today with, with a real host. So we're one of the few places you can call in and talk and, and talk whatever you want to. And I thought maybe we'd just kind of think back a little bit about 2017, seeing this is the last Bose Nose show of 2017, and, and think about everything that happened this year. And it's been a a long and full year. And I started trying to make a list and I, I got, and, and I mean, I'm talking about two word bullet points. I filled a full sheet. So there's plenty to talk about that happened in this last year. But if you want to call in at 646-721-9887, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, whether it's something that happened in 2017 or something that's going to happen in 2018 that you want to talk about. But, you know, as I, I look back on the year and I was going back through just Facebook posts and a few other things to remind myself of what happened. You know, one of the first things that happens in January of every year is we have our first what we call leadership team meeting on our budget. Uh, usually is a, a Wednesday or an off day uh for the board and we'll meet somewhere probably off site with and it'll be the full board all of our membership teams the union representatives and and members of the public and the press are there and we get a presentation from uh various staff and departments uh, on what their projections are for the budget where's the economy going to be going for the next year and some various things just to start and give direction to the budget team to start preparing the budget and we started off January of, of 2017 looking at what we thought was going to be a $3 million deficit in our general fund budget as the projections went. And, and, and a pretty good 
deficit in our road fund budget uh, that was projected. So we, we had we had some budget holes to close as we did our budget planning. So part of the direction to to staff was to try and close those holes um, by making some structural changes in our expenses that would not just close them for this budget cycle with one time tricks and borrowing from reserves or anything like that. We wanted to structurally balance this year's budget. And that was the direction provided to staff. And we're going to you know, have that same meeting coming up in the first week or so of January um, for the next uh, budget because we have we actually takes about six months to prepare a budget because that meeting we had last January and, and that had the three million dollar possible hole was for the budget we had to pass sometime in, in May and June and adopt and implement on July 1st that lasts till the, till the next um, July 1st. So we started that budget planning process in January and then we kind of got into national politics affecting local politics. If you don't remember, you know, that was when uh, President Trump was sworn in in January and there was a lot of concern about immigration policy and how that was going to affect, um, you know, some of the local um, immigrant communities and just issues about minority communities in general. And there was a lot of push for Lane County to adopt some form of sanctuary status. Uh, and uh, that went back and forth for quite a while. Uh, the county. Uh, we chose, the Board of Commissioners chose to refer that to a citizens committee that we were just forming on uh, equity and access. Uh, is that you, Robin? <laughs> um, yeah, it could be. We got audio issues on the live stream, so I'm trying to work on that behind the scenes here. Okay, thanks. Sorry, just wondered. Um, so, we, you know, we referred that to a citizens committee on, on equity and access. Took them a while to get back to the board with some recommendations, but they were able to come up with um, recommended uh, board action uh, in, in the form of uh, a, a lane manual uh, addition on basically inclusiveness that, that kind of was able to be supported by all members of that equity and access committee, and, and that included folks from uh, you know, the you know, immigrant rights and, 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 and um, you know, ACLU to the current, who, the, guy, the gentleman that was the chair of the Republican Party in Lane County at the time. So, you know, kind of got consensus on that and found a way to kind of walk that middle road where we weren't actually becoming a sanctuary county, but we were showing enough um, sensitivity to the fear that was being generated out there and, 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 you know, whether you agree that that was, you know, righteous fear or, or, um, you know, uh, unnes unwarranted fear, it was still fear out there in our community. And I think we helped kind of quell some of that by indicating that Lane County was not going to, um, use our local, uh, resources to enforce federal law that we're not responsible for enforcing and uh, you could feel safe if you wanted to report a crime or access some of our public health services because it, you know, it's important for us to be able to, to know, you know, if there's a communicable disease outbreak 
even if you're not, you know, legally in this country, we need to know about that uh, so we can control it. So we don't want folks coming, you know, not coming to us um, because they're concerned about, you know, being immediately reported to the federal government. Then we also hope that folks that, you know, like are victims of domestic abuse and all that will feel comfortable coming forward no matter what their status is. So it's an important issue uh, all around. And I think we walked uh, that um, walked that fine line fairly well at, at Lane County by first, you know, referring it for some citizen input, coming to consensus and then being, you know, slowing down a little bit and doing something reasonable. Not everybody agreed with us about that, but that's the way we handled it here in Lane County, the way we handle a lot of stuff. So kind of, you know, moving along in 2017, uh, you know, got to be about Daffodil Festival time in Junction City. And about that same time, we announced that we had another um, clean audit from our uh, third party auditors of our jail levy. Um, that we had done what we promised to do with the money that, that we were collecting under the jail levy and we're spending it the way we were supposed to spend it. We were continuing to provide the general funds that match the levy to, to support the jail as we promised to do. And uh, clean audit all around, third year in a row, we had a clean audit on the jail levy. So that was nice to hear. And then we kind of got into a little... Um, tobacco policy early in the year. Uh, the first thing that came up was whether or not we should ban smoking in parks. And uh, one of the places where I was kind of in the minority on the Board of Commissioners and voted against implementing a, a ban on smoking in parks because I haven't seen any um, good objective data that shows it has an impact on smoking rates and has a public health impact. Uh, so it was one of those places where I, I departed company with several of my board members because I kind of felt it was somewhat discriminatory because parks are a place that are paid for by taxes by everyone. And right now smoking is still a legal thing to do in the United States and it's also very addictive. So if you're gonna ban smoking from our parks, um, you're basically, telling a portion of our taxpaying population that they aren't welcome in a taxpayer funded um, public piece of property. And I just didn't like that idea at all. But then I championed the effort for Lane County to become the first tobacco 21 county where we raise the age of uh, purchase of tobacco up to age 21 uh, which some people kind of thought was contrary to some of my other thoughts, but um, there's plenty of precedent for doing something like that and for having limitations that don't match the age of 18. Um, and it's, you know, whether it's alcohol and, and, and uh, other, um, other, there are other things that you have to be 21 to, to do. Um, that's basically, you know, it's demonstrated clearly through objective evidence that it actually reduces the rate of tobacco use in minors. And if you can keep people from starting tobacco as a minor, they are much less likely to ever become addicted to tobacco. 
once somebody turns 18, if they haven't initiated the use of tobacco, they have like a 90% chance they'll never initiate. If they get to 21, they're almost like 95% likely to never initiate use of tobacco and nicotine products. So I supported the Tobacco 21. Eventually, the state adopted their own Tobacco 21 uh, law later in the year uh, with my enthusiastic support at the legislature, um, which I know some people may not agree with me on, but I really felt, felt that that was a very important uh, public health issue where we could protect our youth because the majority of access to nicotine and tobacco products for folks under 18 were 18, 19, and 20 year old siblings and friends. And, and if you kind of push that to 21, uh, it's much less likely that a 21-year-old is going to supply a 16-year-old than a 18-year-old is going to supply a 16-year-old with tobacco products. So um, interesting discussions we had over that. But while all that was going on, um, we were being reviewed by Moody's um, uh, rating service. That, you know, they do the bond ratings. So you've probably heard of Moody's before. And Moody's was looking at Lane County relative to our bond rating. And we got to announce the announcement somewhere about uh, March or April, I can't remember exactly when, that they were upgrading our bond rating to the highest level it's ever been in Lane County. And that's really important because that means our the interest we have to pay on debt when we issue it usually is less because they consider us a lower risk. And that's what that bond rating is about. The higher your rating, the lower the risk you are. And it's pretty amazing. It's kind of, we've referred to it at the time as the Lane County miracle because back in 2014, the Oregon Secretary of State placed us on a watch list of several counties that could go bankrupt because of the loss of federal um, secure rural schools funding. And that was the replacement for timber payments. And uh, we had this huge, 91% reduction in federal forest funds uh, to Lane County over that you know previous five years or so, and they put us on a swatch list. We managed to you know cut our budget, control our costs, prioritize, and all that to the point where Moody's in 2017, three years later, upgraded our bond rating. So think about that from 2014 to being on a bankruptcy watch list to an upgrade in your credit rating in 2017. That's pretty much a, a miracle and a testament to the hard work of our staff and, and the um, discipline of our board of commissioners and how we spend money uh, right there. And after we got that upgrade, about a month later, the board approved a refinancing of some old debt from 2009, where we were paying higher interest rates. and Refinancing that debt saved the county about $8.8 .8 million over the life term of that debt. Uh, so that's, you know, pretty, you know, great things happening as far as finances go at Lane County. And that was kind of about April, sort of about in the same time frame or shortly thereafter. Um, you know, we had several other things happen, one of which was um, our East Lane County Commissioner, Faye Stewart, announced his resignation from the Board of Commissioners. 
and we went through the process of uh, soliciting applications for people to apply to be appointed, and then we went through an interview process and appoint, eventually appointed uh, former uh, Cottage Grove Mayor, uh, longtime Cottage Grove Mayor Gary Williams to the position, um, which you know Gary still sits there now, and he's now running for election in uh, the upcoming primary here in May. So, you know, that was kind of a, uh, a little bit of upheaval at Lane County. Faye had been there a long time. He was, um, besides Pete Sorensen, he was the second uh, longest term commissioner. And uh, Faye was a good friend of mine, uh, one of the hardest working guys you ever want to know. And kind of Faye was a little bit of my balance on the board. You know, when I talked about how our board was constructed, you know, everybody thinks of me as being detail oriented and, and, very analytical phase kind of the person that that was the heart of the board you know he always thought about what's fair how will that make people feel you know and, and some of those things and tempered me at times um so you know he was you know really a, a balance for me and both of us being rural commissioners dealing with a lot of similar issues you know had a lot of discussions about everything from um, land use complaints to the whole issue of uh, marijuana grows next door to people where people live. Uh, you know, we we shared a lot um, and and uh, probably, you know, you know, it's it's different when you are the commissioner and the first level government for a lot of people versus some of the, you know, folks that are in, in Eugene and Springfield, where there's a city government between them and the people for a lot of issues, um, we get many more direct calls than, than the, than the uh, urban commissioners do. So that kind of went on about that time period. Uh, and then we, we kind of rolled um, into a few other things like the jail levy renewal right after that. And um, to my amazement, we renewed that levy with a three to one vote. I mean, that, that's just incredible. Seeing that almost any tax measure initially has 25% people that say absolutely no and will never change their minds. That means everybody else voted for it. And that 25% that always says no, no matter what, um, were the only people that voted against it. So it was it was pretty impressive to pass that jail levy and and extend it another five years. Really important thing to do because we only have one year left on the levy um, until we had to go up for renewal. We chose to go out early because we were having difficulty getting people to apply for sheriff deputy jobs. You know, replacing folks that are retiring, also continuing to expand our um, number of jail beds uh, and needing additional officers if they only knew they were position might only be funded for a year. So getting that extra five years added on allows us to be able to recruit folks in the uh, sheriff's office a lot easier. So that was a big win for Lane County. And we went, you know, kind of about the same time Lane County passed um, the Stepping Up Initiative, which is a national uh, association of counties initiative to try and prevent folks that are mentally ill from entering the criminal justice system through multiple intercepts, whether it's, you know, once they're booked into the jail, trying to 
quickly get them into the right place or you know even on the street instead of coming to the jail getting them into the right place uh, by understanding what you're dealing with so a lot of training for uh, law enforcement a lot of provision of diversion uh, even through the court systems like mental health court and many off ramps in the criminal justice system to move people from the criminal justice system into the mental health system uh, because that's really what needs to be treated not not you know taking somebody that's you know screaming at nobody on a street corner uh, that's obviously got a mental health issue and arresting them for disturbing the peace and putting them in a jail where the lights are on 24 7 it's loud and clanky and um, you're around you know you're forced to be in contact with other inmates um, may not be the best situation for somebody that's having a mental breakdown so um, that's really you know what that stepping up initiative is about what's interesting is almost everything involved in stepping up initiative that NACO is pushing Lane County had already been initiating so it's just kind of a um, recognition of something we were already doing so we, you know we moved from that into our budget cycle um, right after the jail levy um, we started working we started getting the, the budget finalized to pass which included those cost controls to get a balanced budget that was structurally balanced and by structurally balanced it means the amount we were spending was equal to the revenue we were we were receiving um, on an ongoing basis it, versus you know and you can balance the budget and use uh, reserves which is basically one-time money that's not structurally balanced so we structurally balanced the budget this year did that with a lot of cost controls and all um, savings from refinancing debt all sorts of things we were doing paying debt off early with one-time money um, just a lot of hard work went into balancing that budget and um, it was really um, pretty amazing effort we, we put in there and not only did we balance the budget we also agreed to a reduced rate on the jail levy for the second year in a row we dropped it by 31 percent from 55 cents per thousand down to 31 cents per thousand so that was um you know really you know pretty great work i thought on the part of the county started out in january with that three million dollar deficit to end up with a structurally balanced budget that doesn't use reserves no cuts in services no layoffs and a tax reduction there wasn't any other entity i know of in oregon that passed a similar budget this year kudos to our our budget staff kudos to all our management kudos to the line employees that, that did the hard work to control those costs so um, really pretty important stuff we we're doing there and you know and Speaking of you know controlling employee health care costs, uh, we actually looked at and compared that we saved about $2.6 million through self-insurance and other um, ways that we uh, basically did our, our, our health insurance. So it, it just was really a pretty impressive effort. So you know about this time while we're trying to pass our budget, the legislation's still, you know, grinding along up in Salem. 
and uh, we're trying to defend some things, had to try and make sure that we didn't um, get edged out of funding for our, hopefully our new courthouse eventually, managed to defend the funding in the uh, Oregon Health um, Authority's uh, budget for the Junction City Mental Health Hospital. And, and I can't tell you how important that is to the overall mental health system in, in Oregon, let alone um, the jobs here in Lane County. And, and just how silly it would have been to close that after making the, the hundreds of millions of dollars in investment they made in infrastructure up there to build that place. So, you know, we're playing defense sometimes. In some places, we played a little offense, which was trying to get, you know, pieces of things into the transportation bill that we wanted to get in there. And we eventually did get that transportation bill. And it worked out pretty well for Lane County. Uh, in the first year, uh, this budget year, uh, we got an extra two and a half million into our road fund budget um, that we wouldn't have gotten without the transportation bill, which is going to enable us to do a lot more uh, maintenance work on the roads than we had been planning. And we had really cut back on maintenance to balance the budget there to the point where the roads were going to start deteriorating. So this was um, you know, getting that additional money was was really important to, to maintaining the six billion dollar asset that Lane County roads and bridges are. And uh, it's going to do a lot to you know, keep those facilities up, but it's not going to get us back to where we were, even with secure rural schools, because ultimately, uh, as the bill plays out over the next um, six to eight years, we end up getting about $8 million additional year in our road fund budget from where we were from the state. We were getting about $20 million when we were under full SRS from the federal government, where we're now getting about a million. So it doesn't make up for um, the lack of forest funding, but it sure helps us keep from having our roads degrade. We've gotten down to where we were mowing the right-of-ways of our roads one time a year. And this will at least allow us possibly to get to two times a year, if not more, um, do a lot more of our overlays and chip seals to maintain the surfaces of our roads and, and to keep our bridges up as they should be kept up. So that transportation bill is pretty important here in Lane County. Um, you know, about shortly after that, you know, Envision Eugene kind of got to be a big thing around here. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that whole uh, thing that took over seven years in the city of Eugene, looking at expanding their urban growth boundary, and ultimately it got approved with an expansion for industrial lands, some school property and park property, but no expansion for residential lands, which really I wasn't happy with, but um, still had to kind of to move on to the next phase. We had to let that kind of go through, so kind of got approved with a thud. Um, because nobody was really happy with it. Um, you know, we managed to get a uh, an agreement with, this, with the city about a tentative land swap for the courthouse and the city hall. Uh, of course, that's still kind of being hung up a little bit over the uh, uh, unclarity of having two separate deeds uh, on record for the properties, uh, one with some restrictions, one without, uh, and we're trying to clarify that. Um, and, and may have to do a uh, um, clear title filing in court, uh, uh, which will be interesting to see how that that all falls out. And um, yeah, that 
kind of got us sort of into the summer there. And of course, with summer came the big eclipse and forest fires and smoke. Uh, you know, we all remember those days um, and just, you know, how useful El Rapa was in understanding, you know, how bad the air was and whether it was a day you could even exercise. And they were consulting with the University of Oregon about whether to hold the home game or move the game. Um, they ended up moving a practice over to Sayusla High School, much to the excitement of Florence. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of everybody remembers this summer pretty well for forest fires and eclipses and uh, a few other things. But there are a few other things that happened during the summer, like Florence got recognized as a Coast Guard city. Uh, there's not many of them in the U.S. and it's a special recognition. It was really important. I got to go to that celebration. And like a week before that, they opened up, had a celebration basically opening up the uh, rhododendron drive um, uh, repaving project that included uh, bike lanes and a pedestrian path that was uh, a, you know, adjacent to the curb. So it saved a lot of the uh, natural native rhododendrons along rhododendron drive. You know, they had to redesign and get some exceptions from ODOT because they were using some ODOT funding for that, that uh, revised uh, plan. Win-win, good job on Florence for rhododendron drive. And then, you know, and another thing kind of happened this summer that was a little bit of a surprise. Bob Snedden, who was the longtime uh, news, you know, voice of the news at KCST, um, the, the forever MC of the rhododendron parade, I think he's still going to do it probably, um, retired from KCST and moved on to different employment. So, you know, a little bit of a change down there in Florence. Um, you know, at the same time this summer, we had the 50th anniversary of the, the Oregon Beach Bill, uh, some landmark legislation there. And, uh, you know, that kind of got us into the fall and, you know, got us uh, into some different things around here. And one of the things that kind of happened this fall was this whole um, labor uh, issue came to a head. And uh, we have a public employee union, the American Federation of State, County, Municipal Employees that, that um, organizes for two different bargaining units, our a general unit and our nurses here in Lane County. And uh, we got to the point of impasse, and then it, they actually um, gave us notice they were going to go on strike. We went through the, you know, all the various processes. They actually went on strike for about five days, but ultimately they came back and, and agreed to uh, a bargain that was only about 100000 over what we uh, implemented in our, in our final implementation right before they went on strike. So basically, they agreed to what we were offering. Um, but in, in general, board held the line for the taxpayers. At the same time, we were flexible enough to try and provide for some of what the employees' concerns were, particularly around some of the lower um, earning employees and their ability to deal with some of the changes we were asking employees to make to save us money in our health insurance side. So um, I think we walked that line pretty well in, in defending the taxpayers and, and in 
helping the employees and making sure that we you know, didn't agree to a contract that was going to require us to cut services and lay employees off also. So uh, keeping things affordable for the county to as, as great a deal as possible. So that kind of uh, gets us more into almost the uh, the more recent news. Uh, you know, we got into some issues about homelessness and a car camping program and a pilot that we initiated. Uh, we've been talking a lot about housing lately and the whole housing crisis. But, you know, interesting enough, we had, had good news that just came out today that Lane County has had record employment uh, as of this year. And uh, looking at numbers that are just uh, through the roof and 164,000 jobs here in Lane County plus uh, and uh, back when I took office into, you know, just after um, the December of 2010 numbers were 135,000. So almost 30,000 more jobs in Lane County since I took office. Um, pretty amazing turnaround for the economy. So hopefully that will help with some of the folks as far as being able to afford housing. The question is, is we just need the supply for those people so it doesn't get too expensive as we keep attracting more people in our area because we've still got the next shoe to drop on the Corning purchase of the Hynix plant and the construction of the Knight campus over there and all sorts of uh, good things that are still happening on Lane County's economy yet to come in 2018. So that's kind of a real fast year in review here at Lane County. And uh, I'd kind of be interested in how was your 2017? What are the stories you remember in 2017? I was kind of surprised that the Register Guard didn't list the ASME strike as one of their top 10 stories because they certainly um, put a lot of coverage on it for several days there. Um, but it didn't even make the top 10 or even some of the supplemental stories, you know, that, that the also rans wasn't even mentioned. Um, so what are some of the stories you didn't hear mentioned? Give me a call at 646-721-9887 here on the Bo's Nose Show. Again, that's 646-721-9887. And just press one and that lets us know you want to get in on the conversation on our board. It puts a little highlight on your call so we know to pick it up uh, and get you onto the show and you can talk to me about what you want to talk about whether it's back about what happened in 2017 or what's going to happen in 2018 you know and you know who knows what's going to happen in 2018 we're probably going to be looking at all sorts of new things that we'll have to deal with uh, in 2018 one of the things i'm hoping to deal with is um, the short session of legislature trying to get those accessory dwelling units um, codified in statute for rural residential areas of the county that will be allowed to offer that to folks. Hey, if I can jump in here for a second, Jay. Sure, Robin. Uh, something else happened recently that you're not mentioning, and that is uh, somebody's birthday. Well, I don't like talking about myself too much. No, really? <laughs> All right. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did have a birthday back on December 18th. My 60th birthday, which is why this meeting was so last week. I was 
month celebrating cancer vacation with spouses in it. Um, we don't get too many vacations because uh, our work schedule, first vacation we had in a year and a half, you know, I, I, I didn't suddenly fall apart. So those of you that are 59, have no fear. <laughs> hey, it's uh, kind, of, kind of a special time in your life. Yeah, yeah. Starting to think about retirement a little bit. Starting to think about can I afford to retire in a little bit. Yeah, all those things that start coming to mind when you're turning 60. Yeah, and you know, when when you travel together with your spouse, you have to also start thinking about things like our will, which we had to um, update and all that before we went on our trip because uh, it's been a while since we'd updated it. And, and Elizabeth and I don't have any children, so a will is kind of an important thing uh, as to designating who actually gets our estate, whatever is in our estate. <laughs> um, don't know how much that'll be, but we at least have to be able to, to designate that and uh, not have it end up in the state's hands. So um, those of you that are getting my age ought to be thinking about maybe updating and keeping a will. Um, Lots of good programs right on on uh, the internet that you know that meet Oregon law. That's how I did mine. <laughs> Didn't cost me a lot of money. Yeah, I, I think I paid uh, like twenty bucks or something to get all the notarization done because I had to be my wife and I and and two witnesses. So there were four signatures. Like at four five bucks a notary. <laughs> so. So yeah, that's that's just some of those things that you do you do when you're getting ready to travel as a, as a couple. Sometimes um, you think about things like that. But it's it yeah, you know, it's kind of it was interesting though because it made for an odd Christmas for for the two of us. One, we were going to be gone out of our house right before Christmas when we normally have everything decorated. We've got the Christmas music playing and all that stuff, and we're shopping. And because we were taking this trip, we chose, you know, the trip was kind of our Christmas present to each other. Um, so we were only doing stockings for each other. So Christmas was really low key because we got back from our trip on on early on the morning of Christmas Eve. Um, kind of snuck out to the grocery store on, on Christmas Eve to make sure we at least had Christmas dinner. <laughs> and uh, it was very low key Christmas after that trip. Um, and it, it was it was a little bit odd. So it, it was first time I've traveled that close to Christmas. So um, and, I, and I'm a big Christmas kind of person, you know, where I, I we decorate I decorate the house. You know, I put on all the Christmas music. Drive my wife. <laughs> did you make any new friends uh, at the airport? Uh, no, I didn't make any new friends at the airport. Although I did see somebody else making some new friends at the airport. Some guy missed a flight in the gate next to us when we were in San Francisco on the way home and started complaining a little too loudly and tried to kind of um, get behind the counter to see if he could rebook himself. <laughs> I think he had come from a bar um, in the, in the, that's how he missed his flight. And uh, he ended up speaking to some of the uh, San Francisco's finest who all showed up. What's interesting is one of them showed up on a bicycle in the airport. <laughs> Riding a bicycle, because you, know, you know how big San Francisco airport is. It's just kind of small. And uh, several on segways. 
and uh, they they escorted him to some room somewhere in the facility. Um, I'm sure to have a very uncomfortable Christmas. Yeah, I, I could just see him running code three. Ling ling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was interesting. Put him in the basket. Hey, and the guy that showed up on the bike had was fully armed, which is always surprising to see inside of security in the airport. Yeah. I mean, I went to Quiznos to get a sub for for uh, lunch. I guess yeah, at when we were in uh, Honolulu Airport, and the knife they used to slice the the subs had a chain to the counter from the hilt <laughs> of the hilt of the knife. Oh my god. So, so it's like if you're going to hold them up, get your own knife. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just because it's behind security. I mean, it was just like, so it was, you know, it was interesting trip, interesting travels. It's always interesting to travel. Met some interesting people. We were on a small ship cruise. There was only us and 27 other passengers on this boat. And there was a couple there from Australia um, where she is a judge, as an internationally known dressage judge for horses. Yeah. So it was interesting talking with her and he spent his career in the military and then uh, ended up working for their wildlife service doing um, uh, um, basically um, non-native species control where he was basically shooting, you know, goats and donkeys from helicopters and stuff like that. That he, you know, he just, he, he would never hunt or anything again because he just got so tired of, of the whole thing. Um, but, um, and actually the guy, both of the, this couple was probably well into their seventies and, um, Sully was a gentleman and Leslie, Leslie and Sully. Um, and he, he had actually won the Queensland, uh, rifle tournament on the range or something like that was an expert marksman uh, coming out of the military. So interesting couple to talk to Yeah, and, and, and always fun. Sully brought a tube of Vegemite with him because he had French toast and Vegemite every morning for breakfast. Wow. Because <laughs> it was what he was used to. I tasted it. That stuff is hideous. It just tastes <laughs> like salted axle grease. Very Ooh. salty axle grease. I mean, it's greasy and salty and briny. Uh, just, uh, what did he use as a chaser? 90 weight? I don't know. Well, he ch- he drank he drank a fair amount of beer and wine too. <laughs> and he, had, he had much capacity. Yeah, <laughs> holding up the Aussie end there. Um, but they're they're a fun couple, and you know, you know, it's funny that you know, listening to all the terminology, you know, she talked about people whinging, you know, which was basically bitching or complaining, you know, whinging about this or whinging about that, you know. Yeah, I could just see him, you know, putting that spread on. Okay, just give me a little bit more. Yeah. 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 So it was it, it was a fun trip. So you, you meet all sorts of people. Um, yeah, met a really nice attorney and his wife from the Seattle area. Um, and uh, another one of the, uh, somebody that actually worked for the cruise line, it's a captain on another boat on vacation taking his mom on on this trip in hawaii um which was fun because his his mom is a bartender at the airport shiloh in portland you know the one that has the cigar smoking lounge that lars always goes to yeah so she's run she knows lars and all that stuff 
but you know she was a character oh my god was she a character i guess you know when you, when you bartend for a living you have to be somewhat of a character um and gavin was a bit of a character too and those two were a lot of fun um <laughs> getting to know them so you know it's 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 like you get thrown in with this group of people and when it's a small ship you kind of get to know everybody on the trip <laughs> and it was a pretty good group um and but gavin and tony the attorney from um Seattle both were uh, musicians of, of a sort, and there was a guitar on board, so we all got to, you know, they traded the guitar back and forth, and we sang songs that we all sang poorly and out of tune, but it, we had a good time. Drinking enough scotch and beer and whatever else, you know, everybody can sing. <laughs> That's true. After so many uh, so many glasses, everybody sounds good. Yep, yep. It was fun. We had a good time. Water was nice and warm. Sun was bright. You know, I, I, it took me three days for the for the bed to stop rocking when I got home. Uh, <laughs> all that fun stuff. <laughs> yes, it's a free for all day here on the Bose No Show, and we talk about everything. <laughs> and That's if you right. call in at six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven, you may hear more of the passengers from my three hour tour. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah it was pretty fun um yeah, yeah it, it was a good trip and oh man we had this driver on molokai we went we went and drove way up into this isolated valley to uh learn some of the culture from uh uncle filippo who actually was the last person born in this valley and was still living there um that was you know it's still pretty native, uh, way up around the corner of Molokai from, uh, I mean, the road got to be one lane getting there. It was sort of scary. And the driver of the van we were in was multitasking while driving down this road <laughs> the whole time. And he had a headset on, was talking to us. And he was native Hawaiian, had a heavy accent, was missing about half of his front teeth. So it was really hard to understand. You got about every third word out of him and was constantly joking the whole time yeah. about giving us Mai Tais and stuff like that. It was just, uh, he was, he was a trip. His name was Hans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Hans you know, ended up being our shuttle driver several times while we were on Molokai because there's probably only three of them on the whole, whole island because the island only has 8,000 people on it. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah, one of those places where you don't flip somebody off for driving badly because they're <laughs> probably, you know, related to your grandmother and you're going to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, traffic wasn't bad. I mean, that was some of the bad jokes Hans was making. He was like, I remember I had to wait one minute one time at the stop sign and, and, I, and I had road rage. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, he was he was terrible, <laughs> terrible in a funny kind of way. Um, yeah, so it, it was it was it was a fun trip. It's always great to kind of get away for a little bit because it puts a lot of you know what we have here into perspective. I mean, Hawaii is beautiful, but gas was over five dollars a gallon. Ouch. Yeah, ouch is right. Um, you know, some of the the meals. A, a breakfast buffet was $35 a head. You know, it's just incredibly expensive living there. Is it a tourist trap? 
Yeah. And, and some of the, you know, some of the more populated islands like Kona, the traffic was horrible. They only have like one coastal highway that's two lanes wide, and it was literally bumper to bumper in both directions. It took like an hour to, to travel about 10 miles between the airport and the hotel we stayed at the first night. You know, so, you know, that that would get old really fast. <laughs> yeah. You know, living in that kind of where that, you know, there's that little infrastructure for that much population. Um, everything comes from off, you know, from somewhere else. So it's all very expensive. You get to some of the less populated islands like Lanai and Molokai, and they get a barge twice a week that comes in with, with stuff from the outside world. <laughs> So how did the locals afford anything if gas is five dollars a gallon? Um, you know, I guess you know there's you know employment's pretty high there. there. There's no you know if you want employment, it's there to have. But there's also a fair amount of subsidies available. There's a lot of um, rights the native population owns. Um, a fair amount of properties there. Uh, I, so I'm not quite sure how how all the, the it supports the population, but uh, some interesting things there. Learn some interesting things about the culture and all that. Um, and and uh, you know it, it's fascinating, um, but there's a lot of stuff they have there that that you know, if it, except for the temperature of the water, looks almost no different than the Oregon coast. Wow. You know, some of the cliffs that come down to the water, to the, the volcanic rocks, the column of basalt, um, some of the beauty of the Oregon coast and the Oregon mountains and the terrain and all that matches up with, with Hawaii. The difference is whether it's Douglas fir or tropical vegetation. In fact, although if you're on the dry side of the islands, it's, it's basically rangeland, dry rangeland with muskie. You know, which I can go see dry rangeland on the east side of the Cascades and, and you know, beautiful places like um, the John Day, you know, Canyon and the paint, the painted hills and, and you know, Silver Lake and, and other things. You know, there's it, you know, the beauty between Oregon and Hawaii, it really isn't. There's just as much beauty here. But the difference is, is it's not. 75 degrees in December with water that's 74 degrees. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's the only difference. So it was cool though. Had a lot of fun. Oh, that's good. That's a good thing. And again, if you don't want me to talk about Hawaii, 646-721-9887. We were talking about 2017 and stuff that happened in 2017. And kind of one of the things that happened while I was gone on vacation was there was a big to do at, at the board meeting about the initiative process and the aerial spray initiative, which I just don't get why they came to the board meeting to say the board was doing anything because we've done taken no action relative to that initiative. Everything that's happened to slow that initiative down and place it in the courts has been done by third party litigation and by order of the presiding judge of Lane County Circuit Court, who is an independently elected official um, that answers to the state government, not to the county government. And uh, 
he basically placed a court order back in March that said it had to be reviewed uh, for separate vote. And after that review, it was determined it doesn't meet separate vote. There's an appeal of that that determination that's coming up here in uh, February uh, through the court system. And all of that process has not had any um, work, anything done by the Board of Commissioners. We haven't done anything relative to the initiative process. So uh, folks that think that we you know, might have heard that we we're doing something, we've done nothing. It's completely in, in litigation and the court system. And uh, we are, are um, basically spectators like everybody else at this point. So uh, just so you know, and kind of in more recent news and, and probably more relevant to West Lane County has was the um, removal of a couple horses from uh, uh, an owner in Mapleton who also turns out to be employed by the Oregon Coast Humane Society and apparently had a um, previous um, uh, conviction for animal abuse back in 2013. And there was some thought that some people were here in Humane Society and connecting it with Green Hill Humane Society and thinking it was somehow or another connected to the county. No, Oregon Coast Humane Society has no contracts, no connection, is an independent organization from Lane County. It is a uh, 501c3 nonprofit out there in uh, the Florence area and has no association contracts. Uh, there's no control of their hiring processes by Lane County. So the fact that they had this employee that um, has now twice, um, well, once been con convicted, now is accused of uh, animal abuse a second time, uh, is completely um, that organization's issue to deal with. Um, the only way Lane County gets involved is we actually um, took the action to remove the animals from, from possession of the owner. Uh, based on a complaint. And uh, we actually didn't identify where the person worked that actually got identified by the folks at Sayus Law News figured that out. Um, so those are the more recent things in 2017 that we could talk about. We've got about five minutes left in the Bose Nose show here. So you can give me a call at 646-721-9887. And if you don't call in, we may end up going back talking about my vacation or we can talk about uh, poodles, cats, uh, or something else. Uh, might even talk about, you know, if I want to get Robin cranked up, we can talk about <laughs> on street and and, uh, and LTD and uh, you know bus rapid transit and MX, uh, which also kind of the West 11th MX line also came into being uh, in 2017, uh, at least became operational. And uh, what a mess they've made out of 11th and 6th and 7th uh, is all I got to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jay, what's your uh, New Year's resolution? What's my New Year's resolution? God, I haven't really thought of one yet. I don't know. We'll have to talk about that maybe next week. When I've got a little bit more time to think about my New Year's resolution. <laughs> or and think about... Think about what you want to break. Yeah, yeah. One of them might be to listen to some of my own words, which is I really have to first assume people uh, that disagree with me are 
disagreeing because they have good intentions, not bad intentions. You know, um, you know, I've talked about how one of the cures to some of the division in this country is to understand that the reason somebody that has different political opinions is not because they're bad or evil or or you know want bad things to happen. It's because they think that's what's best for the community, the state, or the nation, um, or even the the, the world, uh, and that's what their their viewpoint is. Is from their viewpoint what they believe is a good thing and if you kind of start with thinking about that it's easier to talk to somebody because at least you think they have good intentions and you can start just you know having a little bit more of a civil discussion um, and i sometimes have to uh, be a little bit more disciplined about doing that myself yeah. so that may that may be one of my resolutions is to kind of be a bit more disciplined about um, assuming other people's good intentions and, and trying to be more civil in my discourse, uh, you know, both public and private, uh, which is, you know, a difficult thing to do because it's easy and um, seems humorous at times to be uncivil. You know, and, and uh, it's, it's discipline and thought to stay civil. Yeah, or like they, or like an old saying is that if, when walking on eggshells, don't hop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, any New Year's resolutions on your part, Rob? Uh, I'm going to go visit a new uh, a gym that's on Centennial. I've heard quite a bit about it. No contracts, and see if I, I have a friend of mine that's a member of that, and we're going to try and be workout buddies and. Trying to lose a few pounds. More physical activity and work on the, the health side of your life. That, that's always a good thing to do. Well, that's kind of the thing about having workout buddies that you can guilt trip them into. Hey, you going out this week? Tonight? Nope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you kind of have that commitment, commit to that, commitment to that other person, you get together with them and say, when? When does it work in your schedule? Right. Every makes an impact you know, on at least two days. You know, hopefully you get a third in every three. Then maybe you start getting a fourth in something like try and hold each other to that. Um, that that'll help, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, in the uh, last uh, thirty seconds, I want to wish everybody a happy new year, and don't forget to uh, like us on Facebook and. Again, you can contact Jay as well. Send us an email, talk at caribbeanradio.net. And Jay, until we do it again next year. Yeah, happy new year to you, Robin, and happy new year to everyone out there. You've been listening to the Bo's Nose Show here on KRBN Internet News Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. You had a great year, and hopefully uh, you'll be listening next year. So happy new year. Talk to you in 2018. Have a great evening.